we need to make sure that we are, to the best of our abilities, bringing our lives into alignment with our values. Hi, I'm Vicki Robin. In partnership with the Post Carbon Institute, I'm hosting short to the point conversations with diverse cultural scouts, asking each one the same question, what could possibly go right? The invitation is to see through these wise eyes what is opening up in the present moment as normal is upended and next is not at all clear. These conversations were recorded a few months into the pandemic and in the weeks following the murder of George Floyd. Let's see what today's guest says. Welcome to our project, What Could Possibly Go Right? We're asking cultural scouts to actually let us see through their eyes into the confusion and complexity of this moment so that consider that you're in a circle of people who are really interested in taking action, not analyzing what went wrong or the idealized future, but the potent now. So I just want to say to our uh, assembled people that I'm with Ocean Robbins, a dear, dear friend for many, many years. And also he is the co-founder and CEO of the 500,000 member uh, Food Revolution Network. Um, and he's the, the author of the 31 Day Food Revolution. Uh, so just, just to settle in Ocean, where are you and how are you? Hmm. Well, I'm in Santa Cruz, California, at my home. Many of us are at our homes these days, it seems. Um, and I am, I am well, although well encompasses everything. You know, I think that um, what I'm interested in is being a friend to what's so, rather than fighting it. You know, because you can't argue with what's true, with what is. You either get with the program, <laughs> or you die trying, or you or you fight it every step of the way. Uh, I believe willpower is best utilized when we align with reality and then recognize that part of what is so is our own capacity to respond. Wow. Well, <laughs> that could have been enough, but we're going to continue. Um, yeah. yeah. So I and I'm here on Whitby Island. Um, safe and sound, so safe and sound that it almost feels um, um, unnerving, at least safe and sound as the world explodes. Um, but I am proud of my little village of a thousand people that we stepped up to many different kinds of demonstrations in the last week. So it's heartening, that's heartening. Yeah, yeah and so here we are uh, to peer through Ocean's eyes around this question of what could possibly go right. and. You take it away, Ocean. Yeah. Well, it's an exquisite question. And in some ways, there are as many answers as there are life forms. Because for each of us, that answer emerges creatively. But here's the thing that I know. Um, every cell in our bodies carries within it life and the DNA of life. And the capacity, therefore, not only to learn from our history, from all that our ancestors have undergone, that collective wisdom of how to respond to every crisis, every challenge, every pestilence, every violation, and keep going and somehow find a way is within us. But we also have this phenomenal ability, this phenomenal intelligence to learn and discover anew to respond creatively and effectively to what happens now. So your body can develop antibodies to a virus that has never even been before. 
because it will literally invent in real time, as it learns to understand, it will invent a healthy and creative and effective response. And so I believe that that same principle is true. I mean, recently I, I had a bike accident and I got some cuts on my arm and I looked at my arm and I thought to myself, my body knows how to heal this. Like it's literally gonna know how to make the skin layers and make the scab. And I've been watching every day in awe as my body knows what to do. And I'm like, what's gonna happen next? Oh my gosh, now it's like getting a little moist. Now it's getting dried out. Now it's like cracky and eventually the scab's gonna come off, but not until it's time. It'll come off when there's enough skin layer underneath. And I have a little teeny bit of understanding of medical knowledge of what's going on. But mostly I'm gasping and on thinking, oh my gosh, my body knows how to do this. And it knows how to regrow like arm cells, you know, rather than like, you know, Head, scalp cells, you know, because every part of the body works in synchronicity. And if you break a bone, your body knows how to create stem cells to trigger the reconnective process. And this all happens in exquisite harmony. There are in your body at this moment, millions of processes happening right now that you have no knowledge of intellectually, but they're happening all the same. So life is brilliant. It is extraordinarily complex and magnificent in its ingenuity. And it has the ability to meet the challenges we face in creative ways none of us could have imagined. So what could possibly go right? Well, here I will say that your mind might be the last to know, but there is within your life form, within all of our life forms, the ability to respond creatively and brilliantly and effectively. And I think the right use of our minds is to have a curiosity and a wonder and our humility to learn and discover from the potency, the vibrancy, the creative ingenuity of life itself. And that within that, our minds can gasp in awe, they can learn, and then occasionally they can make little tweaks that help us improve, you know? Like a surgeon will go in there, if you break a bone and it doesn't quite heal right, and get it, get it shaped up right. And then your body knows what to do from there. So there is a place for intervention. There is a place for strategy but it exists from within a profound context of humility. We get to be participants in life. So how does that relate to the numerous crises that we face in the world right now from economic crises, social crises, racism crises, health crises, uh, ecological crises, all of which are compounding and confronting us? Well, here's the thing. Our minds do not know how to solve this one. I'd given up a long time ago on thinking I can figure it out. But I believe that life has some answers. I believe that the same life force that brought us into being, against all odds, we are the unbroken, we are, we are the um, part of an unbroken chain of ancestors who live long enough to reproduce against all the odds. At times when one out of 15 babies survived, ours, we come from the line of the, the one that made it, right? And here we are, the odds of you being alive right now are infinitesimally small. But here you are, here we are, and here we go. So to me, what could possibly go right is we get to discover how life in its creative, magnificent brilliance works through us to respond to the crises of our times. And I, I don't think it seems to be the nature of life that it goes off without pain without suffering or without death. If you look back, we have a pretty good track record of seeing that there's been a lot of death in our history. There's been a lot of pain and suffering. And sometimes we learn stuff, quote, the hard way, right? But 
if we're present, if we're willing, then we can learn. And personally, I am interested as a selfish creature with an ego and preferences, I'm interested in having as much joy and love and beauty as possible and as little pain and suffering as possible. I believe that life will have its way with us. There's the old saying from Nietzsche, you know, she who will, the fates lead, she who won't, they drag. So we're going on a journey. We're here in this form, in this life. And if we're willing, perhaps we can be led that we're still gonna end up kind of in the same place and quite frankly, physically, we're all gonna die. But along the way, maybe we can bring some beauty. Maybe we can bring some love. Maybe we can bring some, bring some peace. Maybe we can bring some justice to this crazy world of ours. And that's my intention with every cell in my body. I wanna bring more love, more beauty, more justice, more peace, more alignment, more integrity between my values and my actions. And it's all within a greater context of awe, respect, reverence, and wonder. So maybe I'm being too meta for you because you're you're that, that's so meta, right? And, yeah. and I'm a little like, okay, if that's like the million foot level, what's the like 30,000 foot level of that? Um, so I think that uh, we are seeing, I work in the food movement. You do some too. You know, we're seeing an explosion of interest in organic, local, natural foods, precisely because so many people are sick. A lot of people are saying, how can we do better? Now there's a growing interest in food justice in looking at the reality that, that there's this massive gap and statistically, the poorer you are and also the darker your skin color, statistically, the more likely you are to depend for most of your calories on toxic, unhealthy foods and the more likely you are to suffer the consequences of lifestyle-induced illness with epidemic rates of heart disease and cancer and type 2 diabetes and Alzheimer's and autoimmune disorders and all of the other ailments that are caused by lifestyle. And so, in fact, when we look at the opportunity gap that we face today, one of the big forms it takes is health. And so, um, so what I'm seeing is there is an explosion right now of interest in that too. We're seeing more and more community gardens. We're seeing pilot programs where food stamp dollars are being doubled for fruits and vegetables. We're seeing schools trying to serve healthier meals. We're seeing programs like Feeding America, which is providing food aid for 50 million Americans right now trying to bring healthier food into their food pantry network. And so as this happens, we can start to see how powerful it is. You know, we can, we can slash healthcare costs, we can bring down health insurance costs, we can, by, by reducing the burden that hospitals have to spend treating people who don't have insurance, who are suffering from lifestyle induced illness, which impacts all of us. So it's, it's a massive cost savings to provide healthier food to low income communities. And so I think there's a, there's a growing awareness of this. There's a growing awareness of the ecological impact of our choices. More and more people are choosing to put solar panels on their roofs. More and more people are choosing to get electric cars. More and more people are trying to consume less, fly less, uh, lighten our impact, eat lower on the food chain. And in one study, 25% uh, of teenagers are vegan or wanna be vegan for example, in the United States right now. In Germany, 30% of the population is on a low meat or no meat diet. This is largely fueled by ecological concerns, by people's concern about the environmental impact of factory farms in particular. And so to me, this is heartening. And to me, this is how life responds resiliently and creatively through human beings. And we need to make sure that um, we are, to the best of our abilities, bringing our lives into alignment with our values. That's a tough thing in a toxic culture.
But step by step, I see a lot of people asking, what can I do? And the truth is that you don't just serve the world because it makes you feel, um, it, that because the world needs it. You serve the world because it makes you feel good and aligned and integrous. Who wants to be contributing to, to destruction on planet Earth? Like, what does that do to our self-esteem, to our sense of dignity, to our sense of place on the planet? So I believe that for self-interest, we all have a moral obligation to be on the right side of history, wherever we work, wherever we come from, whatever resources we have available to us. And what, what I'm seeing possibly going right is more and more people recognizing our interconnection, recognizing how, how linked we are. I mean, with the whole COVID-19 pandemic, we've seen the largest experiment in mass cooperation in world history unfold mm -hmm. as human beings all over the planet have chosen to stay home and foregone livelihoods. In some cases, people have been unable to feed their families or pay rent because they were staying home to flatten the curve, to slow the spread. And for some people that's been because they don't wanna get sick and die, of course, but for a lot of people that's been because they don't wanna spread it to other people. And to me, this shows that we're in this together. And uh, while we can respond to crises and pandemic by isolating and separating, let's not forget that we've also been cooperating in a tremendous way. And we've seen that what happens in one part of the world spreads to everywhere on earth. So I say, so too does love. Mm. So too does cooperation. So too does integrity. And when humanity recognizes and identifies a common shared problem and realizes the research is clear, we are capable, we have seen, of saying that human life is more important than the economy. Human life is more important than business as usual. And if we can do that with COVID, maybe we can do that with climate change too, once we truly face the reality of what we're up against and realize how urgent it is. So what could possibly go right? Maybe human beings will find new ways to cooperate. Maybe human beings will find new ways to respond to crisis. The, the danger with climate change, unfortunately, is that it's such a long game in human terms, because it can take decades for the impact of our present actions to show up. So by the time we truly see millions upon millions of people flooded out of their homes by the time we see our inability to grow food, by the time we see vast areas of human habitated areas turning to deserts, it may be too late to turn things around. But um, my hope is that we're learning, that we're growing, that we're evolving, not without pain, obviously, not without suffering, obviously that maybe we can make something more beautiful out of it all. Yeah, wow. Okay, now I'm gonna ask you to just go on the rooftop <laughs> with your binoculars looking out, uh, you know, a little bit more on the sort of the, the, the mess of the moment, you know, and um, in that, you know, as you look and I think you may have said that, but I'm just going to ask for another, like, like dialing up of clarity. Um, where do you see in the midst of this pandemic, in addition to that we're cooperating around the world, but, but where do you see that, you know, given your background in food and health, et cetera, where do you see those green shoots of like things that we could really reinforce now because they're already not, they're already in motion. So, People are growing more gardens than ever. Here's the thing a lot of people don't know. It, the, uh, about a hundred years ago, we had a, a flu pandemic sweep through the world. 
1918, It came right after World War I. <clears throat> and it killed 50 million people worldwide. It killed 650,000 Americans. And the world population was a lot smaller then. And um, the sometimes called the Spanish flu pandemic, although it didn't actually start in Spain, um, it started potentially in Kansas. But regardless, we call it the Spanish flu pandemic because Spain was a country that was willing to report the numbers and other, everyone else was in denial that it existed. And so we thought it originated there, but it didn't. In any case, that's an aside. But um, there were, it, it instigated a, the, a massive amount of social distancing, in fact. People stayed home to not get sick. And that catalyzed, also there was a massive breakdown in food supplies. The food system wasn't nearly as complex as it is today, but even then food moved a lot of miles from person to person and place to place. That, a lot of that broke down. And so what a lot of people started doing was growing backyard gardens for their own survival, for their own ability to eat. And that continued right through the Great Depression when unemployment was high and poverty was high and people again grew a lot of backyard gardens and then that continued right into world war ii and the concept of victory gardens uh, while soldiers were off fighting they weren't able to tend to the fields also while japanese were forced into internment camps a lot of them had been working in the fields they no longer could do so so there's a there's a kind of dark racist side to this too but the bottom line is that victory gardens were formed as a way for people to eat and at one point about 40% of the fruits and vegetables in America were grown in backyard gardens. So interestingly, in the last uh, number of months since COVID-19 hit, hit the United States, we're seeing a surge in backyard gardening. People are planting seeds, people are buying seeds. Online seed suppliers are running out of supply. A lot of people are growing food right now. They're growing it because it's the safest food available because they know it won't be contaminated with viruses. They're growing it because it keeps them from having to go to the store. And we've seen that supply chains can be disrupted. Uh, they're growing it because they may not have a lot of money and maybe some of them have more time because they're home more or they're unemployed. So there are all these factors that converge that inspire people. And then some people are growing it because it's healthier. And here's the thing, this is, there's all kinds of side benefits to growing more food. You know, not only does it give you food security, but it also, there are studies showing that people who grow more vegetables eat more vegetables. Well, if you eat more vegetables, that's good for your health. That helps bring down your risk of heart disease and cancer and type two diabetes and autoimmune disorders and all sorts of other ailments because you're getting more antioxidants and other phytonutrients because you're saturating your body with fiber and all sorts of good stuff that helps you thrive. There are tens of thousands of studies published in peer-reviewed medical journals that tell us that eating more vegetables is good for us. So now we're finally doing it. And one of the ways that, that, that inspires us to do that is by growing those vegetables right in our backyards. So I think that's a really beautiful thing. And I'm hoping we can grow the backyard gardening movement dramatically in the years to come, whatever happens with pandemics. And the thing is that um, if we took the lawns of America and turned them all into backyard gardens, we grow about four times the amount of fruits and vegetables we currently consume. So we could totally transform our food system yeah. just by turning lawns into gardens. And I find that inspiring. And I think that uh, it's one of the things that's emerging right now that gives me a lot of hope. Another thing that's emerging right now is we're discovering that we can do without flying so much. Uh, personally, I was flying a lot. Like every week or two, I was going somewhere. And now suddenly for the last number of months, I've been home. 
And I'm finding that I have a lot more time freed up when I'm not traveling. And that my mental space and my emotional space is clear because I'm just here. And I'm having more time with my family. And I'm having more time, honestly, more time to work, <laughs> which is because I work online. So I'm able to do that. And my company is still growing and responding to the times as best we can. And I feel so grateful for that learning that maybe all this buzzing around isn't necessary. And maybe we can do very well staying in place more. And from a climate perspective, that's a pretty big deal. Absolutely. Well, you know, I'm 100% on the same page um, with the, um, the not flying. I'm so glad to not be in airplanes. And also, you know, it's such a backyard gardening. It, you, you don't have to like even deal with the farm bill to, <laughs> you know, it's such a great disintermediation, you know, it's yeah. such a great way to, for people to take their power back. It's just so direct. Um, yes. And there's so many things that we can support in that. Well, I just want to thank you, Ocean, for this amazingly profound um, reflection on this simple question of what could possibly go right. So blessings, my friend, and thank you. Thank you so much, Vicki. What a beautiful question. What a beautiful being you are. I'm so grateful. We are all so blessed. Everyone who's here right now, thank you for being a part of one of the most important conversations there is right now. How do we bring something beautiful out of the pain and the suffering of our times? How do we, how do we make something worthy of it? You know, that the pain not be in vain, that the suffering not be in vain, that nobody who dies, their death needs to be in vain. Let's all learn. Let's all grow. Let's all make something of it. And we are. You know, that's what's happening. So thank you for your part in that. And Vicki, thank you for your brilliant, exquisite, intelligent, creative leadership in helping us all to play our part. Thank you. <laughs>